Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter. You are listening to the Arsenal Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins. I am joined in the studio with Gunners Town representative tonight, Chris Howard. There is so much to discuss, but you know, you tune in. This is Sherlock Holmes and Watson Hour. We will try to <laughs> uncode Arsenal as we speak because we can't buy a win at the minute. We're trying desperately hard. We even got a new man in charge. We still can't get a win. 2-2 against Norwich yesterday. Freddie's first game in control of the Gunners. We're going to be talking all about that last week on the show we were wondering how long has Unai got who can come in will Arsenal make the change they did make the change following suit of their North London neighbours their rivals as they got rid of their manager two weeks ago brought in Jose Mourinho Arsenal follow suit but who will take that Gunners hot seat we're going to be talking all about that and the match and then looking towards the Brighton game which is weirdly on a Thursday this week we'll be doing a preview of some sorts Chris Always excited to talk about Arsenal. Always excited to talk about Arsenal with you. We both just done a collective... (sighs) Where do we go with this? Let's take it back a little bit then. Because it's Friday morning. Unai has gone. Arsenal released a club statement. He is no longer there. He turned up to take training. He didn't take training. He's gone. When you first heard it, even though we kind of knew this was coming, was you still a little bit shocked? I was because I did think that the management or the upper echelons at the club were mm. going to drag this out. To me, when we then started hearing some of the fallout and what unfolded, what really surprised me was the talk about, oh, well, you know, this, this had been coming in the post for about a week. If that's true, why on earth did they drag even the Frankfurt game out? And actually, I think that's had an impact on the game at the weekend because if you think about imagine if they'd have decided after the 2-2 draw at Southampton on Monday or on Tuesday it's not working we both know it's not working let's part ways so they they offload um, Emery and then Jungberg comes in and he comes in let's just say Tuesday morning he's got two days to prepare for a Frankfurt game which actually is a bit of a buffer anyway because Mm. You know, it's we've got enough points in the bag that we should see through the group anyway. It just does. It didn't make sense to just drag out, and it, I almost felt sorry for Emery because it was almost like, what was the point in playing that game? And because they've decided to give him that game, because they've then sacked him the next day on Friday, you've got Jungberg being addressed by like, addressing the, the players on Friday, sort of probably midday lunchtime ish. And then on Saturday, they're, they're prepping to go to the game. So he's had absolutely no time to actually impart any kind of structure on the team. So I don't understand why the board decided to take that decision. Yeah, was it a case of the board there maybe still hoping the last fibres in their body that Unai can turn it around, he is still the right man, give him every single last chance maybe to, to steady that ship? Maybe, but why? Like, what? <laughs> um, we talked about this, and I know you'd yeah. said, like, you know who else are we going to get and mm. but it feels like anybody like once the players minds had gone they'd gone and it feels like anybody could have come in and, and improved us and actually we talked about this um i actually think that first half we were a little bit unfortunate we got sucker punched with two goals and we've got some of the worst defenders in the premier league and that's really what's 
done us over yesterday because that first goal, if Mustafi doesn't turn his back on it, if we don't lose the ball high up pitch, high up the pitch, and within a few seconds get cut through, you know, maybe we go, maybe we were a few minutes away from scoring ourselves. And if we score first, does does the complexion of the game change? Because this mm. isn't Unai Emery's sort of team that you know could be three 0 up and still give away a lead. This is a a whole new team. Maybe there's a whole new belief in the players. Yeah, a whole new team. Obviously, Freddie Lundberg coming in, Pierre assisting him for the minute. You mentioned those goals that Arsenal conceded. Arsenal used to, and well, I say used to, that seems harsh, but brilliant at, at counter-attacking, Christian, and scoring the goals on the counter. At the minute, it feels like that's completely how we concede all our goals. It is, isn't it? It's, it's so frustrating. And even, even Freddie afterwards said, well, you can see that we've conceded in transition and that's something that we have to work on. Mm. But, I don't know. I think you've got players that just physically and, you know, in terms of energy and their physicality, they just don't really, they're not really able to deal with that. And it's not a difficult thing. I mean, teams are going from back to front so quickly with us and just ripping us apart. It's almost depressing. And I'm quite happy to go to town on Matteo Genduzzi tonight because maybe not so much on him, maybe I go to town on him and Xhaka together because I actually think Xhaka is a, a decent footballer I think he's more composed and controlled on with possession of the ball mm. and we had more possession of the ball than Norwich yesterday uh, we dominated possession at times apart from the last sort of 20 minutes Xhaka and Gunduzi together do not work because as soon as we lose the ball that, Chris. it does doesn't it and I don't know why Freddie has decided to go with that because it seems like every Arsenal fan that I speak to says well why, don't, why aren't we playing Torreira? Um, or why are we playing Xhaka and Gunduzi together? It does. It patently doesn't work. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I have to agree. Um, Gunduzi's in a real... I don't want to say bad form, but he's not playing well at the minute, so maybe that is bad form. I don't want to be harsh. I don't want to be harsh about any players that obviously play for the team that we love and support, but it's not working at the minute. I think we've got to a point now with Guendouzi that his stock has risen so much. There is so much hype about him. He was called up to the France national squad, you know, that if the we... Golden Boy Award Golden Boy, nomination. Yeah. If, we, if we drop him at the minute... I sense that there's a real big thing that he may throw his toys out the pram because he na- he now expects to be one of the first names on the team sheet. I think he needs to either realize to sort of give him that spark again in sense of he's got to win his place back. You know, it's not guaranteed you're going to play every week. I think he needs an extended time away from the starting eleven at the minute, and it's a period of time that I don't think it's going to see happen. I think he's going to be there each and every week. Yeah, that worries me, and that also worries me. It worried me that. Again, I don't want to harp on about Torreira, but he came on with, what, 15 minutes to go, made two or three really good interceptions, and I thought to myself, why have we not been playing this guy screening our back four? I mean, we've got a terrible back four as it is. I mean, Mustafi... He's an odd player, isn't he? Well, uh, Mustafi, Mustafi back in the lineup. Let, let's talk about that because Freddie came in. He made some changes. The biggest change, Chris, Mustafi was back and Granite Shaka was back. When you saw that lineup, we know any new manager wants to, to you know, create their own stamp on the team, you know, stamp their own authority, their own identity. He knows the players well. He's came from the academy. But Mustafi and Shaka returning, I think Mustafi was the big one where everyone went, this is a surprise. Yeah, I, I, I sort of understood it actually I don't not saying I agree with it but I understood it and the reason why I thought that was because so the rumors are that the players openly mocked Emery um they'd clearly been done with him he'd 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 ostracized a few players in the team and you know maybe they talk amongst themselves and they don't like that but by Freddie Jungberg saying you know 
clean slate for everybody. I wonder if he was hoping to say, look, this guy was essentially told by the club and the manager, you're not wanted, but I'm going to give everyone a chance, so in you go. He's had a couple of performances in the Europa League where he hasn't been that bad, but as a footballer, I think the thing about Mustafi which can be frustrating is if in a football match he completes let's just say 50 actions whether that is a tackle or a pass or an interception or um, a headed attempt at goal if he completes 50 actions it feels like 45 of them would be good and you'd say all right fair enough and then there's the five which just seem calamitous players make mistakes all players make mistakes during games but it feels like the mistakes that he makes are ten times worse. They seem ten times worse than any other player. They don't seem it, Chris. They are. And you can't have five mistakes. I thought, that's too much, you know. And you're saying every game, one mistake can lead to a goal, can lead to your team losing 3-2 rather than drawing 2-2. Five mistakes is far, far too much. He has had good uh, Europa League performances. I guess far lesser opposition, you know. And this is what we have to deal with. That just is the Europa League, especially in those early stages. In the early stages at the minute where we can't seem to buy a result for love nor money in domestically or on the European front. Chris, when we look at it... How bad is it at the minute? Because maybe I'm a deluded fan. Whenever something changes, I thought, here we go. Freddie, the good old times. I felt like to dye my hair red once more. I was going to get the Mohican. I was singing the songs. I thought, oh, Pear's assisting him. This is too good to be true. I, I sensed we was going to get this necessarily new manager bounce. I really believe we was going to go to Carrow Road on Sunday and beat him. So and I. I know Freddie's only had one training session, but it just felt like, and yes, we probably will see a much different side on Thursday. It just felt like more of the same. It did with even things like the uh, the actual lineup, like you said, like there were certain players which you just questioned, and Gunduzi would be one of them mm. because his form lately, I would have thought maybe he gets dropped. Um, Aubameyang has been bagging goals after goals after goals, yet has been playing out wide left. So I just wondered maybe he decides to go with Aubameyang up top. Pepe had been dropped from, he's been dropped out of sight, but I mm. wondered if he'd be given the chance back in. I did think Xhaka would come back in. So. It felt like a new era, didn't it? And in some senses it felt, yes, maybe this is a new era. And then other senses it didn't. I do think at least until we conceded the first goal, we were on top. We'd controlled the possession of the ball. We we seemed like we were on the front foot. You know, Mustafi had a header off the line. Uh, Chambers had a header, which Krul saved. Lacazette should have scored when, uh, when he had an opportunity. So it felt like we were on top of them. And then the same old problems happen and we just get done on a transition and... What I saw all day was Norwich going back to front quickly, just passing either centrally or out wide on that left-hand side or our right-hand side. And they just, again, our midfield is non-existent at times because those two, when Jacker and Gunduzi, when they're running back towards their own goal, are poverty. Mm. The, the interesting thing is so much I want to talk about, but the interesting thing about Gwenduzi is we heard that Unai Emery was big on video, video analysis. He would go back, he would make sure the players watch the footage with him. You need to be doing this, you need to be doing that, etc. You know, here's how the formation lends itself to us. And, you know, there's famous stories from his time at PSG. If the players didn't watch the video, he would catch them out. He would give them blank tapes, apparently. And he said, oh, have you watched it? And they say, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he would know which players he gave uh, the blank tapes to. Why are we still making the same mistakes? Yes, Unai is gone, but Gwendozi criminally giving the ball away uh, all the time, it seems. that This shouldn't happen, at, uh, not for Arsenal, but any Premier League uh, team. Championship League one, constantly giving a ball away, a little bit like what, what made Arsenal fans fall out of love with Granit Xhaka, Chris. Yeah, I, I think 
the way in which we passed the ball across the pitch seemed at times a little bit quicker on Sunday compared to what it's been like under Emery. It's felt like laborious and slow. It felt like we were trying to win the ball a little bit higher up the pitch. Maybe we were pressing a little bit higher to start off with, but I think confidence plays a big factor as well. So when you get players that have, and we haven't won in eight games now, and when you've got players that are on their knees confidence-wise, I think maybe players think once or twice about what pass do I make? You know, if I'm receiving this ball, am I going to quickly do that one touch and go? We don't see that as much. There was... There was a moment in the second half that I can remember where Kalasanec picked the ball up on the left-hand side. He cut the ball in field, and instead of what you normally expect him to do is pass and then move, just bomb down the line, he just sort of took two steps and then stopped and and came back. And I wonder, I thought to myself, is that a confidence thing? Because if this Arsenal team are confident in what's happening and then the next phase of play, he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna be more positive in his in his run in his, his running lines yeah. and he just wasn't and that's happening all over the pitch well and obviously you mentioned Kalesanac there he started no Tierney Pepe didn't start Aubameyang started on the right which was a bit of a strange one Freddie did make his changes and then obviously no Pepe coming on it was Saka that was preferred Freddie Lundberg kind of alluding to the fact he said I'm judging this on training maybe a worrying sign we could be reading too much into that what did you make of those three things Chris the Pepe one is worrying because that's not just base. He hasn't just arrived at the training ground on Friday mm. and and said right. Like, it's not like when Mourinho joined Tottenham. He's you know he's not it spent any time with him. Start. It's completely mm. brand new. He's walking up to people. That he's he's probably spoken to a few times, but never ever as the manager. Freddie's been working with these guys for months and months, and to say something like that says to me that they've got. I don't know whether or not it's that Pepe's confidence is even more on the floor than the rest of the players. I, I don't... He doesn't strike me, although we don't really know him, as the type of player that just isn't trying or isn't putting the effort in. And Unai Emery has only just in the last week or two sort of dropped him. He was playing more regularly and he's the sort of... Mm. Emery's the sort of bloke that if you're not running hard I think he was involved enough, in every Premier League game, wasn't he, up, up until this weekend? Yeah, he's, well, no, I think in the last four games he's only played about 58 minutes or something stupid mm. like that. But up until a couple of weeks ago, yeah, he was playing regularly. So there's something weirds going on there um, and for us, we can't afford for that to become a thing you know we've already had Meza Ozil as a thing we've already had Granit Xhaka as a thing we've already had Mustafi as a thing if you're thinking about the last 18 months if you're thinking about the time with Emery we've got Aubameyang and Lacazette who are stalling on contracts it just doesn't seem a happy place at all and that worries me because we're not picking up points it doesn't seem like a happy place and you've got players that are making noises that it sounds like they want out. So oh, this is it. The players potentially want out. It doesn't seem like a happy place. This is what the new man will have to contend with. But who will be that new man? Me and Chris are going to decipher who we think may be joining next. But what do you think? Tweet us at Lovesport Radio or call us 0208 7020 558 and you can have your gunners say on tonight's show. Love sports. 
You are listening to the Arsenal Fan Show on Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, joined in the studio with Chris Howard from Gunnerstown. We were just talking about the 2-2 disappointing draw for Arsenal against Norwich yesterday, which was Freddie Lundberg's first game in interim charge. We're going to be talking about managers now, who could potentially come in. But just as it happens now, the FA Cup third round draw is happening as we speak. Arsenal yet to have been drawn out of the hat. Me and Chris are waiting with bated breath. Chris is hoping for an away tie with... Uh, big capacity so he can go yeah yeah that's the thing isn't it i mean you get like uh was it a 25 percent of the uh ground so you know i've got a, a few points on my season ticket and if we can get a if we can get a decent team although reading's just come up i'd take that because that's around the corner from where i live so <laughs> that'd uh, be useful spurs have just been drawn out they're they're going to middlesbrough away not the easiest of games but a reunion of sorts jonathan woodgate managing them but for how much longer liverpool and everton have been drawn against each other liverpool clash there so as soon as arsenal come out we will keep you all across that let's talk about managers now chris if i can get your attention he's not taking his eyes <laughs> off that screen he's very interested in what goes on as we all are because arsenal such a rich rich history in the FA Cup. Lots of names being mentioned. We were just talking off air. A name that's being heavily linked at the minute, Brendan Rodgers. He kind of gave sort of a mixed answer. He said, well, look, I do have a release cause, but not necessarily say that he was interested in a job. He was just stating a fact. Apparently, that release clause, Chris, is £40 million. Out of all the names linked, as there has been many, last week we was hearing Nuno was uh, the man who almost has supposedly sewn up the job, you know, very close to, to Mendes, who has links with Arsenal and so forth. Who do you want? I would love to see Nagelsmann. Really? The hipster's choice. I wow. would. Because that's a, that's a, I'd say that's a uh, left field choice. Yeah, it probably is. And we probably won't go for that guy. But, um, you know, I think his grasp of English is decent. Um, I think he he is an, he's an innovative manager. Uh, the things that he's done at Hoffenheim, which he's also then replicating at, uh, at RB Leipzig as well. I think he's the sort of person that would fit Arsenal too. And I think he'd be really up for the challenge, even though he's only just joined Leipzig in the summer, didn't he, from uh, Hoffenheim, mm. I think. So I think he'd be up for the challenge. And yeah, I would, uh, I'd like to see Nagelsmann. I'd like to see us go, go, go left of field and do that. I mean, the big names that people are talking about are, well, you've got Nuno, not sure about that one, because you've got the Mendes link, which doesn't really leave a good taste in my mouth. You've got... Um, who else? There's uh, Brendan Rogers, expensive one. Would he? Would he join? I think he probably wouldn't, to be honest. At the moment, I know Arsenal's. I think if it was towards the end of this season, I I, I don't know. Mm. Um, he has stated today that he, he's kind of distanced himself from yeah, that. Which role. you'd expect. Yeah. We're at home. Arsenal are at home. Uh, Chris, continue. Yeah. He's so, so, so who else? So um, we've got uh, what is it? Allegri, but apparently he didn't interview very well. Um, so for me, Nagelsmann, and then there's the other one, which is Arteta, which again, lots of people are getting very excited and hyped over Arteta. He's not, and I know he's, people have said good things about him, but he hasn't managed any football. So putting football team, uh, the top flight, so putting him, putting all your eggs in that basket feels weird to me. Yeah, well, it is a gigantic clash because Arsenal face top of the championship leaders lead. What a clash that will be. Arsenal are at home. Gillingham have got West Ham. Chris, what do you make of that? No easy game there against Leeds. They play football. You know, they're going well. Could be in the Premier League as soon as next season. Yeah, uh, that will be a difficult game. Um, what will be interesting is uh, 
Uh, Eddie Nketiah, where does his loyalties lie? I think he'll be uh, wanting Arsenal to get through um, the next round, won't he? Although, if Arsenal get through, then he won't play any more um, FA Cup action. So, Well, he might be playing it for someone else. Apparently, we're hearing the Bristol City chairman today said that he's hopeful of getting him in January. So maybe his time will be cut short at Leeds because he's not getting that regular game time. Which is odd because, as we spoke to the Leeds fan earlier on in the, uh, the season, because obviously we played them in the... Well, we, we saw them in, in the League Cup and stuff, but um, it's, I don't... He's a he's a funny player. Uh, I don't understand why. Oh, sorry, the guy who's uh, is running Leeds. What's what's the guy's name? I've forgotten his name. Uh, yeah, Bielsa. Yeah. Very odd. Very odd guy. Um, I don't really understand why he hasn't been given in Enketia more. I football. can't get enough of him. What Enketia so- or Bielsa? Bielsa, yeah. I think he's such a character. I, I absolutely love him. I think he's you know, a funny he's just, boy, isn't he? yeah, he's just set in his way. You know, it's his way or no way. I, I really enjoy what he has to say. He's doing, re- he's doing a really good job at Leeds, as he should. He's getting paid a very handsomely, high-paid yeah. manager in the Championship, probably more than a lot of Premier League managers. Well, could be joining Arsenal in the Premier League next season. Well, it is Arsenal versus Leeds. Out of the names you mentioned, you didn't mention really Allegri. And I did, Tra- oh, sorry, he, you did. He, he didn't interview her very well, did he? Um, apparently, last time around, he didn't speak any English. So, well, this is the problem. Has he been learning it though, Chris? Uh, uh, that's the rumours that he has been learning it. But I think it's on both sides here. If you're Allegri and you've gone mm. for the Arsenal role and they've basically said thanks but no thanks, um, has that put his nose out of joint? You could argue the same thing about Arteta. Is his nose put out joint? Especially if the rumours, there's very, very tentative rumours that Pep might be looking for pastures new at some stage, maybe towards the end of the season. You know, if Man City are interested in elevating Arteta into that role, then maybe we should look at him. Personally, again, I go back to the what his experience has he, has he had. Um, I wasn't too keen on Arteta for that reason last time around. I was actually keen on Emery because of his CV in terms of the trophies and things like that but that didn't exactly turn out right so maybe we should just completely go 180 and pick someone that's random and hasn't had much experience. Yeah, maybe it should be Freddie. Well to a degree Arsene Wenger was a left field choice wasn't he? Many people hadn't heard of him and then he came and we know what happened there, don't need to go over that one Many names linked with a job do you think we will get a decision soon or it will be to the end of the season now Chris? So in my head I've been looking at the games. I love this, here we go Sherlock I Where's the bed think... when you need it? Exactly. <laughs> I don't think that we will make an appointment this year. And the reason why is Brighton this week, Freddie's clearly going to be in charge. And then we've got West Ham away on Monday, next Monday. So I think he'll be in charge for that one. So then the week after that is Man City. You don't really want to chuck a new manager in for Man City. It doesn't exactly help you to get that morale boosting, you know, first victory. Um, Then after that, we go away to Everton. Again, tough game. Do you really want to chuck someone in? Probably not. By the time we get round to the Everton match, though, I would hope that the noises are getting louder because then you've got the Christmas period. We play Bournemouth away. We've got Chelsea at home. We've got Man United at home. We've got Chelsea away going into January as well. So it's a tough run. So I have a gut feel that once all of the dust has settled from those big games, that's when we look to a point. And the reason why I think that as well is I think this season is done. This season Already. from Premier League, right it off. in terms of Champions yeah, it's done. Because I think I saw a tweet from Orbino and it said no team uh, has had less than 21 points after 14 games has ever qualified for the top four. There's always the got to be League. a first time. Yeah, but you can't say we have, we've got in, enough behind us in terms of the, mm. the look and the feel of Arsenal so to, to suggest we're going anywhere. Oh, that's so God, upsetting. I'm depressing myself. I'm that sorry, I didn't Chris, mean to. But... I mean, it's December. Where's the Christmas cheer? 
We're still Wait, got, I want to got... open that little advent calendar box. It says second. I thought, ooh, Chris Howard's inside. What's he going to tell me? And you've just said, says, oh, I've scratched it away. No chance. I've got uh, I've got a chili flavored advent calendar, so it's a good one as well. I've, uh, random well, this one isn't good that you, brought, <laughs> you, that you brought in, but it is. A, we I said a stat a few weeks back on the show saying that Arsenal had a fourteen percent chance of making the top four. That was when uh, be less now, isn't it? it? It will be less. How worrying is it that then we've seen Spurs? You say you know we may wait. That you know already they seem they've had that new manager bounce. Yes, it's a complete new man. Maybe they can salvage top four from this season. That was only two games ago. Can we not do? the same if we go on a terrific run if we get the man in now the thing is Chelsea are in better form than us Tottenham are in better form than us Leicester are in better form I think only right now though that can all change yeah very true but I think Man City aren't going to not finish in the top four they're too mm. good for that um, even though they've, they've had some some blips and Liverpool are going to win the league we all know that then you've got Leicester who look like they're going to be one of these teams that are going to just see it through. And also, they don't have European football, so they, they'll be playing Although the Rogers week, stuff so. could affect them because we see on the weekend they only drew. I know they was unlucky not to, to get the winner VAR again, but maybe it may have an adverse effect on them, Chris? I thought Leicester won at the weekend. They drew, did they not? No one Looking knows. To no that. one knows. No, no, no one gonna, knows. We should we really have, no have done idea. our research. But, yeah. I thought, but anyway, um, I, I, I see Leicester... Um, getting themselves through to, uh, to 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 the Champions League because they seem to be in that sort of winning run. So then you're fighting for one place between Tottenham and maybe Man United, although they're they're as terrible as we are. But I just think that Tottenham and Chelsea are they're just too good for us. In terms Leicester of did form. win on the weekend. So, I don't think go. it's having an adverse so. effect, Chris. I think you're completely <laughs> wrong. I think regardless of what's happening with Rodgers, shows you how much I pay attention. I thought it was 1-1. One, one. Uh, I thought the VAR got called off. There you go. No. Too busy watching uh, Villa United. Jack Grealish, what a peach. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> the problem is, now that the names that people didn't want before, now they're saying, oh, do you think we maybe get pushed into an appointment? Whereas... Because we're hearing that Arsenal really wanted Mourinho, apparently. That was the rumour. Spurs were quick really? to react. Really? Apparently, have you not heard this? That no. Arsenal really wanted Jose. Spurs reacted on this. They appointed him and the Arsenal board was circling around him. He even got asked this in a press conference. He said, that he said that doesn't matter now. He said, I'm at Spurs. Which is weird. He could have come out with a straight no. He said, it doesn't matter. I'm at Spurs. This is my club now. And So is there a little bit that Spurs were quick to act and Arsenal are now a little bit like... Mm. Who's our next target in mind? So let's, if you rewind that, um, imagine two weeks ago, the club are starting to think, this isn't working, we need to, to offload the manager, then fair enough. But I think they wanted to, even to before that Southampton game, I thought they thought, you know, we could play Southampton, we beat Southampton at home, we get back to a winning run. Yeah. So I think they really did believe in him. Whereas I think Tottenham had taken the decision long ago that the, the, the cycle had completely had completed with Emery and so therefore they were already making their moves I reckon it was two weeks in the making so if you think that we've only just made our decision last week two weeks from today you know we're playing Man City so maybe by Man City we're looking at at changing it the difference is is that like I said Tottenham made their decision but they kept it under wraps until they were ready to go we've just decided to make it because it couldn't get any worse Yes, an interesting, you can still have your say on tonight's show, but we're going to speak to Paul Hepka next from Gunnerstown Podcast to see what he has to say about it Love sports. You are listening to the Arsenal Fan Show and Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, joined in the studio 
with Chris Howard talking everything from Unai Emery sacked on Friday. Who will be that next man in charge? Looking at that game with Norwich 2-2. We're going to be looking at the game with Brighton, uh, which is on Thursday this week, speaking to Brian Owen from the Argus uh, reporter there. But delighted to say Paul Hepka joins us now, also from the Gunners Town podcast. Paul, big news in the last seven days where the Gunners are concerned. We still can't buy a win and Unai has gone. What do you make of it all? Well, um, it's, it's been unfolding for a while, so um, it was kind of like a slow-motion train wreck. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was very pleased to see it finally happen. Um, and like Chris said earlier, it, it seemed curious that they didn't pull the plug a little earlier and maybe give Freddie the whole week. But um, from what I've read, it seems like um, Arsenal was still, well, Stan seems like he was still hoping that Unai might, you know, pull some rabbit out of the hat. And um, uh, I believe Raul and, and Unai went to the States for a meeting on Monday or Tuesday. Um, Mourinho was still in, uh, had been discussed. I think that they, they had, like you said earlier as well, they'd been talking about him. Um, <clears throat> but then after the Frankfurt um after the Frankfurt fiasco, um, like you said, they they pulled the plug at like nine o'clock when em- Emery arrived for training in the morning. So, yeah, it is what it is. Um, as far as the Norwich game goes, you know, with Freddie, I mean, in control, I, I, you know, I'm not sure that we'll we'll see a lot of differences. Um, I mean, I, we did see some some vital differences, like Chris said, that the tempo, the pace, the attitude. You know, when they when we conceded. There wasn't that kind of throw your hands up in the air and drop your chin kind of reaction. Mm. There was a kind of, come on, guys, we can do this. So that was positive. Um, but you must remember, Freddie has been there too, for, you know, for, for most of the year. So I'm presuming he had some hand in um, in Emery's, you know, decisions over the year. Um, he doesn't seem like a kind of a, a yes man guy. So I'm presuming, you know, he has had some input. So we might see some things that were Freddie's ideas, you know, carry on. Maybe the execution was bad. Um, maybe they'll improve. I think it's just you know it's just going to have to unfold yeah. slowly <laughs> and hopefully not too tragically. Yeah, it's it's a funny one, isn't it, Paul? Um, because I think that's a really important point. Actually, is everybody's almost ex- it was expecting that this is going to be totally different. Like the formation will be different, the players will be different. He'll pick a different team. The style will be different. The setup will be different. But as you said, he has been part of that coaching staff, so to rip it all up and go completely 180 does that also then make a slight on him a little bit because he's been part of that process to use an emeryism um so you know is that do you think that will affect do you think that'll affect us moving forward do you think do you think it'll be slow incremental changes ahead of brighton and how do you think it'll line up i think i think where the biggest change is going to come chris is i think that um I think that Freddie has to find a starting eleven, you know, as soon as possible because we've been through like thirty-five yeah. different formations, and you know we've had the most substitutions, we've had the most players performing, and there's been the most changes from match to match. I think really this team has suffered from from a manager that can't make up his mind, stick with a couple of players, find some impact impact players, and can come in as subs, you know, off, off the bench, you know, kind of pick a team for the ninety minutes and from game to game. Um, I think that. If I was Freddie, that's the first thing I would do. And I think that's kind of bringing back Mustafi and, and Shaka and Ozil all in, let's face it, all in one all in one, <laughs> one big batch, all those kind of, you know, the untouchables. 
Um, he brought them all back. Um, and I think that's kind of part of it. I think that Emery, because of you know perceived weaknesses, was was avoiding playing certain players. And I think that Freddie wanted to take that politics and all that kind of stuff out of it and go, you know, forget all that external stuff. You know, let's get the players back on. We've got some World Cup winners. We've got, you know, they're decent players. You know, let's let's have them play. Because, <laughs> you know, they're not earning their salary when they're sitting on the bench. And they can't prove how good they are or bad they are if they're, if they're not going to play in the game. So I think he needs to find a team. Once he finds a team, you know, with, with very little shuffling, he can start to, you know, execute a game plan, work on transitions, find the best midfield, you know, to, to help in defence. Because this midfield against Norwich was horrible. I mean, they'd get, they'd get the ball in their own box and they would run unchallenged literally all the way into our box. Uh, you know, there was no tackles being put in. It was just, you know, you know I, I, in fact, on Twitter, I think you might have commented on it, Chris, too, as I said, you know, are we allowed to tackle? <laughs> because it just looked like there was no interest whatsoever in tackling them on transition. So, of course, they were brilliant on transition. They, they could just hyperspace themselves from, from defence into attack and next thing you know, they're taking shots, you know. I think um, that's... I think that's There's depressing. definitely things they can work on. I think that's the depressing thing from my perspective is seeing us just our midfield be bypassed so easily, um, <laughs> and it's just a. It feels like yeah. it's a physicality and pace thing, and that's not quality. That's not technical brilliance. That's just you're stronger and more physical than them, and you've got more pace than them. Just kick. It's like kick and run football, which that shouldn't be. Yeah. That shouldn't be an issue for us. Not in our midfield. You know what? Yeah. You know what was weird for me though is. Um, when you look at that midfield, we had um, we had Willock and Özil starting, and I mean, definitely in the second half, it seemed like Willock was playing like the number ten. And even in the first half, there were times when I paused the TV and I was actually showing my mom. Um, I was saying, "Look at this, you know." So our midfield has got the ball, and you've got Özil, Aubameyang, Lacazette, you know, all these guys up in the line. You know, nobody making any attempt to like create little triangles or little one twos or just. Like everybody running for the six-yard box, there's no one ready for the cutback. There's no one at the back of the box. There's no one on the far post. It was like this cluster, like under eleven kind of style of like, okay, everybody forward. Like I'm going to be in the scoring position, and it, that's where it was just breaking down. You know, from defence to midfield, midfield to attack. There's just no connectivity. There's just, it just seems like, you know, and so I feel sorry for the midfielders. They get the ball. You know, the guys that are feeding out of transition. You know, the Guendouzis or um, Shakers, whoever they are. Chambers, you know, like our wingbacks, you can see them. Actually, they've got the ball, and like they they don't have an option except to pass back to their centre back, who's under pressure on the press, because there's just no, there's nobody there. You know, what do you hook one down the wing every single time, you know, down the line? It just it feels like there's there's no connection. Like the hip bone and the thigh bone and the foot bone are just completely all separate. You know, so um, yeah, it was just it was strange with with our midfield. I, I couldn't really tell you who who you know what role any person had. You know, I would imagine Willock would have worked more in a Ramsey kind of box-to-box role, and apparently that's how Freddie used them in the under, you know, the under 23s. But the same as Torreira and 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 Willock. It's just when they come on, they seem to be played in this weird kind of position that's not doesn't seem to be their strongest, you know. And it doesn't help us. So I, I'm confused. I'm, I'm going to wait for it to sort itself out. You know, it's like a big ball of string right now, and you you keep pulling one piece, and it just seems to tighten the knot on the other end. Yeah, um, Paul, we've been sure. asking and wondering how long is that string then? Earlier on the show, Chris said the season essentially is over, even though it's the start of December. No team has qualified <laughs> from the Champions League where we currently are at this point. Is that a view you share? Do you think that the season is also done and dusted? 
No, I, I think that the Premier League is, is is just getting you know kind of more and more tumultuous. I think um, the bottom teams are getting better and better. They they you know if you look at the you know, if you look at the top teams, Liverpool were always losing to like the like we are you know to the twentieth, nineteenth, eighteenth position. Obviously, they're not losing to anybody right now. But City, I mean, everybody is just susceptible. There's no there's no easy game. You know, and I think that the I think that this idea, this expectation that you can kind of count your chickens, you know, look at the, that the games ahead and go, oh, that's an easy one. And we should have learned our lesson from that last year. You know, and when, when we had like easy run in <laughs> and got like two points from fifteen mm. or something. You know, um, it's. I think the Premier League is just it's getting way less predictable. Well, hopefully. <laughs> and, um, Hopefully, yeah, Paul, so the season I'm, is... I'm not ready to write us off just yet. No, uh, Paul, I completely share that view because, you know, we've just seen Arsenal drawn in the FA Cup against Leeds. There are trophies still out there. The Europa uh, League... Yeah, this sorry. No, no, don't don't backtrack now. Don't have them reverse <laughs> lights on. Beep, Chris, I've, I've seen you coming. Paul, a really uh, pleasure for me to finally get to chat to you and have you on the show. Uh, Paul Hepke there from Gunners Town Podcast. Maybe uh, Chris saying the season's done. He wants to change his mind, but uh, I'm not going to let sorry. him because we're now talking about Brighton coming The Premier League coming... <laughs> Go on. I let you- Love sports. That's right. It's time for the opposition view on the Arsenal fan show and Love Sport Radio with me, Charlie Hawkins, and Chris Howard from Gunnerstown. Well, forget Norwich. Forget that we don't have a permanent manager. We are looking towards the Brighton game, which is the first home game in charge for Freddie Lundberg. Hoping for three points. That new manager bounce. Delighted to say, joining us now, Brian Owen from the Argus. Brian, thank you much. Uh, thank you so much for joining us and giving us a little bit of your time. Completely different over at Brighton. Uh, they haven't sacked their manager. Instead, they've given given Graham Potter a new contract. What do you make of that? Yes, surprised. surprised. <laughs> and I don't want that to sound. I don't want that to sound negative. I'm not surprised because I think it's a, he's doing a bad job or anything. It's just very unusual. And well, he was surprised. He's given a four-year contract in the summer, and then um, two more years added on. I mean, obviously they, they did sack a manager in um, in May. And this is it's just totally different this season. The style of football, um, various changes, sort of the very early stages of a of a huge culture shock, if you like. I mean, probably playing the football that Arsenal blazed the trail for or twenty years ago, if you like. So um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, they they went up to Liverpool on Saturday and had an awful lot of possession, pinned Liverpool back, played some really nice stuff, but obviously didn't get the big chance to get an equaliser late on. So they're they're still after that first major scalp away from home in the Premier League. Well, I'm sure we could probably help you out. I mean, let's be honest with you. Mm, our sure. season that we've had <laughs> we've had so far. What is this? What is the difference in style then? Is it a high press? Is it possession-based? Like, what is it that he's actually possession. done differently? Possession. I mean, formation, first of all. I mean, it, the, there's lots, there's various different formations, but it's quite a lot of it's been 3-4-3. Three, three. Um, playing out from the... Back, uh, obviously, the, the goal kick rule hadn't changed when Chris Hute was there, but I don't see him asking his keepers to play six-yard goal kicks, but really playing from very deep, trying to get teams onto them, playing more through the thirds. Um, and also younger players. He's brought in a couple of younger players, um, Stephen Alzate and Aaron Connolly, who were just waiting and we thought would go out on loan. I'm sure they would have done under Chris Hewton. Um And they've been given their chance and done pretty well. In that they looked quite confident up at Anfield, actually. So other players who, you know, less of a chance, Glenn Murray, probably the one who stands out. Um, so it's, it's, yeah, it's more possession based, more trying to pass from deep. I mean, the results at the moment are almost identical in terms of points from a certain amount of games. Um, and he said, it's, I mean, he's 
Potter is saying, you know, it's it's, it's not better, it's not worse, it's different, but it, it is very different. Mm. And who's the sort of standout player then in this new style and under this new manager? Well, Lewis Dunk has sort of had more... He's obviously known as a defender, but he's had a lot more scope, I think, to play in the passes and playing out from the back um, but, but, than he than he did. We've all seen a certain amount of it. I mean, it was, so, it was so interesting when they were pressing late on against Liverpool on Saturday. And Lewis Dunn, probably the tallest player and the best player in the air, was at the back playing quarterback, trying to spread the play left and right against the 10 men. How many teams would have put him in the box and put put the ball you know, in the mixer, so to speak. So that sort of shows you what they're trying to do, rightly or wrongly. I'm sure there's um, there's debate, I think, at the moment. The jury's out to a certain extent, but it's so early in such a lot of, um, you know, with such a lot of changes. And I would also mention those other two, Stephen Alvate, um, Colombian parents, born in Camden, went on, come to Leighton Orient, went on loan to Swindon, suddenly came from nowhere in pre-season and has come in and he's just such a natural footballer. He's played so many different positions. He's an attacking midfielder, but he's played wing-back, uh, full-back on Saturday. He can play just behind the striker and he, he earned his first call-up to the um, Colombian senior squad of late. And, of course, Aaron Connolly with his two goals against Tottenham, which you might remember. Mm. So... Do you feel confident? I mean, I'm trying to sort of get gauge from your response whether or yeah. not you're happy with Potter or not. It seems like you're not 100% sure. Do you feel confident no, ahead of this weekend? Like, what's what's your well, viewpoint? And what's the fans' um, I'm, viewpoint? I'm not, I, th- I think it's that they really enjoy the football, um, but just it's just not been reflected as yet in results and points. Because and there was you can go back to some games earlier in the season a one-all draw against Burnley, um, a draw at home to West Ham, a draw at Newcastle, where they, a, um, a defeat at Aston Villa where they played them off the park for half an hour and then had Aaron Moy sent off. I just don't think the point... Well, I, I think it's sort of um, consensus of opinion. The points don't reflect what they an awful lot of what they've done. And, and as you know, four, four to six points in that part of the league table makes a, an awful lot of difference. So... And I personally, I'm sort of fairly confident it's, it's the right way to go, and it's it's going to come off. And but until it until it happens, it hasn't happened, sort of thing. Brian, obviously, Brighton are known for playing football under Potter. This is the move that they wanted to make. Does that help Arsenal's mm. case that maybe Brighton will try to yeah. you know come at us? And because Arsenal low on confidence, but they need that win. Will that play into Brighton's hands or Arsenal's hands at the minute? Well, I, I, it could do what what you said. I've been listening to your show sort of earlier on, and it won't be. Um, Let's see how confident Arsenal, because Brighton will be confident, and they'll have a lot of confidence from the football they played at Anfield on on Saturday. So I, I don't really know what the mood is at Arsenal. If, like you say, you get that new manager bounce, or if it's all a little bit uncertain, my if Brighton start to have a lot of possession, and what they do is they win possession quite quick. Well, they're best. They win possession quite high up and quite quickly, and that can really. I remember in Newcastle that really drove the home fans mad. So if there is some unrest and disenchantment up at, and some concern up at, up at the Emirates, they could actually sort of play on that. But I think we, we've been here before in a way in going to Brighton, going to Chelsea full of hope because Chelsea hadn't won at home and going to Man United because they're vulnerable these days. And you do realise these big clubs such as yourselves have got these quality players that if you're not quite right, even though they're not you know at their best now, they do have that potential to, to punish you. So I think that's probably explains the slight caution and wariness 
in my voice, even though I, I sort of think that if all goes well, this could be that landmark away win. Yeah, hoping for that landmark away win. It is a Thursday night game, but it is Freddie Lundberg's first home game in charge. The fans are going to really be in good voice and up for this one, so it's going to add to Bolton's uh, time there. Or even Brighton's. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, what is your score prediction then? Oh, God, I haven't thought of this. Let's have a... You haven't Let's thought have of this, Brian. Um, you know the drill. Really, Come on. Not a prediction. Yeah, yeah, I'm not a big one of predictions. You know what? I, I know it's a boring one, but a repeat of the two matches last season would be uh, it's feasible, and it would be a good point for, for Brighton, I would have thought, even though they should have nicked that one shouldn't they, at the end when they broke away mm. two against one. Oh, interesting. Brian, sitting on the fence there, but either way, always a pleasure to have you on and talk to you. Brian, really appreciate you giving us some time. Brian Owen there, a reporter for the Argus. He's sitting on the fence getting splinters, Chris. Surely we have to believe differently, don't we? Arsenal, no win. It's what feels like forever. Over 50 days since Arsenal won a Premier League game. It's ridiculous, isn't it? it crazy. Um, I think we will win, actually. I would hope, I would expect <laughs> actually, us to win. Is it sad that we say, I'm, I'm hoping, I think maybe we we've got an be outside bet. at home. <laughs> we've got an outside bet. I think it'll what has be, it come to? I think it'll be, I'm hoping that this is an ideal game because hoping, I'm hoping that Brighton do have that a go at Arsenal. That was Southampton at home, wasn't it? That was every other game at home. Well, I mean, that's under Emery and hope, the hope is that what we want to see is more of that first 30 minutes because if there's a drive and there's the intensity there and can we also have somebody Arsenal, some Arsenal player that isn't Aubameyang scoring for us? It would be nice to actually spread the goals around for crying out loud. What do you make of that, Chris, just quickly, that they call Aubameyang the flat-track bully? I think it's 12... Uh, 12 goals in 11 games now against the so-called lower sides. Apparently, everyone wants wants to quick to label him. Can't do it against the big sides, but against the, the lower sides, he runs riot. He scored against Tottenham. So That's what the lower sides. The lower sides, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, those, 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 little, that's those small teams. Mm. So, um, I don't think it matters. If you've got Lacazette, who seems to have a decent record against, um, certainly at home, against some of the bigger teams, and you've got Aubameyang, who's banging him in against the smaller teams, I just want, again, we need more goals from midfield. We need more goals from those wide forwards. And Nicolas Pepe needs to get start bagging himself some goals too. Well, talking of Pepe, can we expect Lundberg to make any more changes like the Norwich game or kind of stick with what he had there on Sunday? I've got a weird feeling he's going to stick similarly to what he had. I'd love to see Torreira in instead of Gunduzi. Um I've kind of gone with a... This is my ideal sort of team, which would be Leno in goal, Bellerin, assuming these are all fit, Bellerin, Chambers, Louise and Tierney, because I think Chambers in the centre is a better option than Mustafi or Sogladis. Uh, I'd play Xhaka and Torreira in the base because I think Torreira offers a bit more cover and Jack has got that ball distribution and we should have more possession. So that's where his game would be more useful. I'd play Ozil in front of them and I'd play a front three of uh, Martinelli, Pepe and Aubameyang. So I wouldn't even start Lacazette. Give Mart- Why give isn't Martinelli your name in the mix? Hey, when you're reeling it off as good as that. Oh. Only one thing left to ask then, Chris, with a formation like that, what is your score prediction? 2-1. <laughs> Brighton. <laughs> yeah, <no. laughs> Arsenal 2-1. 2-1 Arsenal. Chris is going forward. This has been the Arsenal Fan Show on Lost Book Radio with Gunners Tan, Chris Howard. You can catch us at the same time as you can every week right here on Lost Book Radio, 7-8 to 8 every Monday. Thanks for downloading this podcast from Love Sport Radio. For more, go to lovesportradio.com for all the latest podcasts, news and views. Or for more, follow us at Love Sport Radio on Twitter.